welcome into another edition of Sportball. You know who I am. You know who these guys are. Greetings. It's your boys. We're back. How you guys doing? You know, hanging in there. It's a interesting time for all of us, but hey, we're making the most of it, I think. I think about how weird it is in this time that we're living in. Like at this point, it just feels normal. Mm-hmm. And once all this is said and done, it's going to feel weird to, to actually live a normal life again. Yeah. Yeah. I find myself normal life. <laughs> I find myself like watching the office and like shows and then I'm like, Oh my God. Like certain times they go outside and I'm like, watch out. Don't get too close. <laughs> but it's I like, think that too. <laughs> yeah. I saw both of you separately in a socially distant manner the last two days. So it's been fine for me. <laughs> Yeah, I dropped. I finally dropped off Kyle's precious mug that he won off me, uh, based on who won the Super Bowl. That was a great mm. bet. Wait, uh, what was that bet even? Uh, Didn't I pick the Chiefs though? No. Well, we had a bet before it was in place. Uh, oh yeah, it was about the Patriots. Is it? It was if the Patriots won the Super Bowl, I got a Patriots mug. If anybody else won the Super Bowl, I bought Kyle. <laughs> The mug of the winning team. I don't know if I was drunk when I made that bet. Yeah, I mean, yeah, that's a that terrible was, uh, bet for me. That was Halloween night that we made that. Okay. Yeah. Would, <laughs> that makes sense. Then. Would you even want a Patriots mug? You're not a Patriots no. fan. <laughs> to be clear. I also got Kyle, like, probably the shittiest mug possible. It literally just lists all the players on the Chiefs team. That's literally it. It's just red and yellow. <laughs> it's just a list of 50 names. <laughs> nice. It's great, though. It's a nice-sized mug. It is a nice-sized mug. Really it's been sitting on my counter for weeks, and I've thought about <laughs> using it many times. I wouldn't have, you know, held it against you. <laughs> Speaking of mugs, uh, I got these well, sweet ass cups last week, and I can't stop using them. Let me see it. What? Tell us about Ooh, them. It's kind of nice. Stainless steel. Yeah, they're like, uh, what are those cups called? You know the ones I'm talking about, Yetis. Mm. Except they're Stanley. Mm, yeah. Stanley's been around longer. And I swear, this keeps stuff colder longer than a Yeti does. Okay. They just have less marketing. They got less PR people out there. This is uh, it's Cinco de Mayo, isn't it? True. I believe it is. Yeah. It's our Cinco de Mayo special pod. I had a burrito for dinner. Nice. Homemade, yeah. (laughs) And I didn't even think about this. I had a quesadilla for lunch. Wow. Oh my god. It's really celebrating. <laughs> I mean, I eat so much Mexican food normally that I feel like it wouldn't be a it would just be a normal day, so. Yeah, that's how I felt too. I didn't even realize. Honestly, it's a good thing we're back cuz fans have been clamoring for this podcast. Tell me who. And by fans, I mean one of my friends said, "Where's the next episode?" <laughs> Shout out to Chuck. One of my friends mentioned but, it offhand. Oh, Chuck. <laughs> <laughs> He's like, I don't care either way. I'm not clamoring, but if you were to come back with another episode, you don't have to tell me. But I just make it small talk. To be clear, else to say. Uh, yeah. So this episode, we thought we'd uh, we talk a little about the NFL draft that happened last week, a little NFL off season, and then give you a little NBA at the end, just to give you a taste. You know, not that we ever hit any other sports. So. <laughs> Even though it's called sport ball. Right. But, I mean, how many sports really have a ball, you know? And I feel like it's 
every time we do an episode, I kind of, not every time, but oftentimes I do a disclaimer, like, well, I haven't really watched any of this, or I don't actually know what I'm talking about. So it's kind of funny, because, like, we have this football podcast, and that's the name of it, but really, I only watch basketball, and, like, the Vikings <laughs> and the Seahawks. <laughs> Listen, we don't pretend to be experts. I mean, we do. I do. This is really for entertainment. Yeah. Mostly, <laughs> we were just here to disagree with Kyle and try to bring him, yeah. bring his arrogance back to earth a little bit. <laughs> yeah, we're really, we're really here just to try to prove Kyle wrong. <laughs> you guys keep me grounded. I need this. Good. Uh, all right. Well, we might as well start off with the NFL draft recap. Uh, <laughs> happened last week because since it was the one actual sports thing... That's occurred in the last month. I actually paid attention to it, yeah. which I feel like I don't normally pay attention to the NFL draft that much. Um, Kyle watches a lot of college football, but me and Seth famously don't. Uh, the remote draft seemed to work surprisingly well. Yeah, some might like say well better machine, than which... in-person draft. Like I think they're in trouble. Yeah, for which next is kind of shocking <laughs> because so many of the yeah, coaches shocking because came out and they were saying like how much better and how much more enjoyable it was being able to stay at home and spend time with their families when usually they spend like the month leading up to the draft or sometimes even longer just at their facilities going Mm -hmm. over all these players and stuff and it's like yeah you along with the rest of the workforce over the last however many months realized we could get shit done without actually going into work every single day right yeah, that's the best. That's been the you know one of the only bright spots out of this pandemic is getting to spend time more time at home and realizing how how much you can really get away with doing at home. I mean, obviously not everyone's job is like that, but <clears throat> certainly for these guys, it worked out pretty well. I mean, these were like the shocking part was most of these are old men who can barely work technology and got there were no snafus. I mean, it was yeah. pretty impressive. Yeah, I mean, Dave Gettleman. Uh, had a mask on sideways in his home <laughs> in his basement by himself so he was really protected that's such a terribly run safe, franchise sideways doesn't help you too much <laughs> so I don't understand how people don't just understand like I guess it's common sense but stuff I don't know well, no one who's running the New York Giants could have common sense. Or the New York Knicks, for that matter. <laughs> or the Jets. It's just a New York tradition. Yeah, it's just a New York tradition. <laughs> Something oh, the, the New York Islanders, though. They're probably pretty well run. Uh, <clears throat> I think they went off the deep anyway. a while ago. Yeah, see, there you go. So, biggest biggest story of the draft, in many's eyes, was uh, the Packers trading up to draft a quarterback at the end of the first round. Uh, Jordan Love, and I'll just go first so you can just disregard each of my claims after I make them, Kyle. Uh, <laughs> I guess my hot take is that look, a lot of people at the moment of the day after and since have said, um, which you might say is all the time <laughs> possible to say anything. <laughs> the moment of the day after and since, but the day before, no one was saying this. Nobody said anything the day before. Uh, <laughs> a lot of people lambasted it. Uh, and, Rightfully so. And said the pack- Packers were stupid for not getting a wide receiver or an offensive weapon for Aaron Rodgers and instead drafting who might be his successor. 
I guess my hot take is I don't really mind the pick that much. Um, I mean, I've heard the arguments against it. I guess I'll just go through them and say why I don't really think they're that valid. And then, Kyle, you can tell me why I'm wrong. Uh, number one, people say that, okay, they should have taken a wide receiver in that spot. <clears throat> I just don't think there's really that much of a guarantee that if they took a wide receiver in that spot that he would uh, he would really contribute this year and next year for contending. Like, I mean, I was reading an article by Bill Barnwell, which I sent to you, Kyle, and one of the stats in there was that uh, on average, picks in that range of wide receivers, uh, their first two years, they net 1,151 yards. So... In comparison, uh, MVS, Marquise Valdez-Scantling, who's already on the team, uh, had 1,033 yards in his first two years. So right on average, you know, I mean, there's no guarantee that the wide receiver they pick is going to be any better than the wide receiver they already have on their team in MVS, right? And you look at the kind of just like history and who's been picked in that spot, it's a very wide range, you know, ranging from DeAndre Hopkins, okay, big hit there to someone like Laquan Treadwell, who Seth will, <laughs> Seth will attest uh, didn't really contribute to winning in any of his years on the field. And, I mean, just look at Nikhil Harry for the for the Patriots, right? Did he contribute to their winning last year? Not really. He also didn't play a whole um, lot. But... Yeah, he didn't, he didn't play a lot, but Bill Belichick never... The they didn't play I mean, a lot. It, it's the Patriots. Bill Belichick never plays like rookie players pretty much ever. He's like Popovich. True. But also, okay, I do agree that, like, this is a deep wide receiver class, and they should have taken a wide receiver offensive weapon at some point. And I think it's very curious that they didn't. But I have more of a problem with their next pick being a running back. I agree with that. In the second round. Which is, like, you have Aaron Jones, and you have Jamal Williams, and you decide to take your second round pick on a running back instead of a pass catcher. That's what I was going to say. That's the real fuck-up. That's the more outrageous yeah. like mistake that I don't understand at all than the quarterback. I think it sounds like they're just trying to prepare a little bit in advance for a team without Aaron Rodgers. I don't know exactly the details if it's just like the personalities are there's a rift there to such extent that it's like a foregone conclusion that he'll leave when his contract is up after this season, right? Or mm-hmm. if they're just like, it's a possibility or whatever. But, you know, I don't think it's a horrible thing to try to, like, plan ahead like that. I think knowing yeah. Aaron Rodgers and how <clears throat> offended he could be from something like this. I mean, maybe that was yeah. a mistake. But at the same time, you can't let Aaron Rodgers, like... It, Aaron Rodgers' yeah. pride, like, run your team and make your decisions. But I don't understand right. the running back pick at all. That I don't get that at all. And and to your point, like it's what it's one thing not to to plan around Aaron Rodgers' feelings. I mean, I think if they didn't, if they're planning on doing this and didn't at least talk to him about it and warn him mm-hmm. about it before, and that's wrong of them. Okay, that's your star player. Yeah. You should at least yeah. tell him what your plan is. And if and he's, I think he said privately that that's they didn't tell him, and that that's a mistake. But and then a lot of people, you know, they're saying, okay, so. In my mind, this isn't way different from when they drafted Rodgers while they're contending with Favre. Okay, now you could say it's way different because because of two factors, right? You could say that Love is a way worse prospect than Aaron Rodgers. Much, much worse. Which might be true. 
It's it might not, be true. It might, and it is. He wasn't even the best quarterback love, in his conference last year. Right. He threw 17 interceptions last year. That's not what you want to see. Well, That's, in fact, more than Aaron Rodgers ever threw in college. I don't care about interceptions. <laughs> and I, I, you know, I don't watch college football, but it doesn't seem like he's the greatest prospect. But, I mean, there was a reason Aaron Rodgers dropped in the draft, too. I'm not saying that Aaron, that Love is as good as Rodgers as a prospect or that he'll ever be as good as Rodgers, okay? But... I mean, this is the same time frame they drafted Favre's replacement. And if they think they like the player, that just grab the asset. I mean, I realize that rookie contracts are less uh, expensive these days. I mean, when Aaron Rodgers was, was drafted, according to Barnwell, he got five years, $7.7 million, which would be $17.8 million today. Jordan Love's probably going to get $12, 12 million around. Okay? So, obviously, that's a, that's a more valuable asset. But... It's not like that asset's going to go to waste. It like is. either a, you get a really cheap backup quarterback yeah. who replaces an often injured and old Aaron Rodgers. B, he's the successor to Aaron Rodgers in two years when Aaron Rodgers is gone. Or C, you trade him for another asset. Like I feel like Jordan Love on a rookie contract, even if he may be your backup for a couple years is more valuable than a 50-50 chance at a wide receiver in the late first round. That's not true. At least it can be argued that it's not like that stupid of a, of a prospect in my mind. No, he's a terrible prospect. They didn't need to waste draft, extra draft capital to trade up. What did they trade up? One or two spots to draft a quarterback that, that would have yeah, fallen to them to probably in the second round. Or they could have traded up into the early second. And use their first round pick on a wide receiver, which is needed. Like Jordan Love is absolutely terrible. He's not accurate, and that's the hardest thing. <laughs> like, obviously, you guys know I love Mike Leach, and that's the biggest thing about Mike Leach when he's recruiting quarterbacks is accuracy, because that's the hardest thing to teach a quarterback, especially when you're at the NFL level. If you're not if you're not accurate in high school, if you're not accurate at the college level, what makes you think being at the highest level in the world, you're just automatically going to become accurate like against the best mm-hmm. the best uh, talent that there is. Like it just it doesn't happen. So to waste uh, you know, trade up and waste, in my opinion, a pick on that. Like you said, it's going to be, you know, what, maybe two years until we see him. Like, I wouldn't want him being my primary backup if Aaron Rodgers goes down. I'd rather would have paid $4 million for Andy Dalton. Like, that's the red rifle. That makes a lot more sense as a backup than a rookie who sucked in college. Plus, this is the deepest <laughs> yeah, that, I mean, wide receiver listen, if, class that we've seen in at least the last five years. Like, these players, these wide receivers that went at the end of the first round, even the beginning and the middle of the second round, they could have been and probably would have been first round round, round wide receivers the last couple years. That's how deep it was. And the fact that they didn't use any of their draft capital on these prospects that showed how good they were in college and knowing how well we have, uh, you know, stats and stuff that could identify players that produce well in college and typically more often than not produce well in the pros. These late round, late first round 
early second, mid second round wide receivers were all part of that group of that had early breakout ages. Like they dominated their the target shares and the and the touchdown shares very early in their college careers, like their first and second years. Those are big factors in determining if you're going to be a uh, a good wide receiver at the NFL level. And these players all did that, and they just said, "Fuck it." <laughs> Let's get a quarterback that's bad. And then knowing (laughs) that, like I said, they're going to wait at least two years, right? And having a rookie quarterback on that contract is one of the most efficient ways to, um, you know, build the rest of your lineup to get to a Super Bowl. Because you don't usually, like Aaron Rodgers is what, making out 20-something million? almost or close to that like if you could save 13 14 15 million dollars and be able to allocate that elsewhere for a longer amount of time that long lengthens your window to be able to you know make it to the super bowl and have a chance but now they have to pay aaron Rodgers, and this salary uh or jordan love's just going to sit on the bench and they're going to waste that opportunity those two to three years where they could have spent you know, just focus on Aaron Rodgers and what he could do now. And by the time... Yeah, but he's so cheap. That's, like, making my point for no, him. He's an asset, right? No, but it's not. That's the thing. Like, I'm just saying he's, they're wasting that. Like, Patrick Mahomes, right? I mean, like, or Yeah. It's It allows the team... The the quicker you can get your, your rookie quarterback playing as your starter, the longer you have the wider window you have to be able to make it to the Super Bowl because you can invest money into other um, other like yeah. important positions like you know it's just so to me it's a waste to have him sit there and you know just not use <clears throat> it just doesn't make sense like you don't need it I mean they're still gonna get a couple years out of him. I mean Aaron Rodgers is thirty six if he just plays the end of his contract and then Jordan Love starts in twenty twenty one. That's still a good asset, you know? If you but if you want to strike now. He's not good. One. And two <laughs> Well, that's another it's point. It's not that's like you're gonna have point. Aaron Rodgers <laughs> he's not gonna help this kid. I especially with what I they hope did. He does, because I know Favre did. didn't help him. Yeah, so. I know, but Aaron Rodgers Aaron Rodgers doesn't even talk to his fucking family. He hates half his <laughs> yeah. family. What makes this is the most spiteful man? What makes that pick was just pure comedy when it happened yeah. because we all knew Aaron Rodgers was going to react in the exact way that he did. I mean, this man holds a grudge more than any other athlete in, in pro football that we know. And just watching that pick scroll through, you're like, okay, well, he's going to be pissed about that, huh? <laughs> like the Packers are just definitely done. The other thing, though, that people have argued is like they're acting like the Packers are one offensive weapon away from the Super Bowl, which. They we all agreed last year they were pretenders like they were not a real contender. I mean they went thirteen and three, but their Pythagorean win total or whatever was like nine and a half. It was like they should have been nine and seven. Yeah. And their DVOA, which you know I love, was tenth, which is on par with the fucking Eagles who are <laughs> trash. And <laughs> they were six and one in games that were uh, seven points or less apart, which as we know Kyle loves that stat because that means you got lucky. Okay, so this is not a good team. Like, this is a good team. This is not a Super Bowl contending team, and they're not a wide receiver away from going to the Super Bowl. That's why I feel like 
people were so mad. But you're going to tell me that they were a backup quarterback away from going to the Super Bowl? No. No, absolutely not. That's why I said I don't have as much of a problem with it. Use those assets to better your team now. Now, while Aaron Rodgers is at the end, you know, he's not done with his career, but he's definitely not at the peak anymore. He's on the downswing, but he's still a better quarterback Mm -hmm. than, what, 30% of the NFL at least? 45, 50 maybe percent, right? So use the asset to get a player that can contribute immediately and help your team win now while your window with Aaron Rodgers is still there. What? I also just feel like rookie wide receivers don't contribute that often right away. Like they picked up Devin Funches in the offseason. There's been talks of them getting like AJ Green or Kenny Stills. Why not just do that instead of taking a chance on a look, they should have taken a wide receiver at some point in the draft, okay? But it's not like there aren't other avenues to getting a wide receiver that can help you right now and maybe, you know, avenues that are more likely to contribute. What but I they're also going to have that... to give up extra assets to do that. So you just buried yourself even more. You wasted an asset on a backup quarterback. You wasted even more assets to get that backup quarterback. And now to get another wide receiver to help you out, you're going to have to waste future assets. It It's... <laughs> What I see is that clearly the Packers are rating Jordan Love higher than most people, certainly higher than Kyle is. I have no idea how good he is. Um, I have no opinion on that. So that's like setting that aside. I don't think it's a horrible decision to say, okay, no matter what we do in the draft, like – we're not going to be able to make the Super Bowl next year. So how can we plan the best for the future? And they see this quarterback who, rightly or wrongly, they really like, and they say, okay, I'm going to take this guy, we're going to develop him for a year or two, then he'll become the starter, and we believe like that's our best chance for success in two, three, four years. Like I don't think that line of thinking is crazy, I don't think that's the pick I would have done. Um, and certainly, like, if they if their scouting was just wrong on Jordan Love, then that makes it even worse. Um, but I don't think, like, that thought process is necessarily totally flawed. I mean, ideally, you'd have the Mahomes situation, right, where you get someone who's already really great, in your like second playing starting in the second year game one and then you have that cheap contract and you can spend your money elsewhere but that isn't a situation you can just replicate all the time what if i told you they spent their they spent assets to move up to acquire josh allen that was less accurate and also couldn't run the football <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think the scouting of Jordan Love is a different question because, like, right? I don't watch. I never watched him play or anyone else in college. So, <laughs> yeah, and for you the talk, trading up like, to get him was dumb for sure because they could have gotten him later. Yeah, I, I agree. I think that where we can all land is that they should have taken wide receiver at some point. Trading up was dumb. If they were wrong about their scouting on Jordan Love, which Kyle thinks they definitely are, then they fucked up the pick. Obviously. There's no question about that. Uh, but on its face, I don't have a huge problem with it. Let's see. Silence. 
How about on the back Jordan of its head? Love. Do you have any problem with it or just not on its face? The back of its head's fine. Oh, okay. No problems here. Kyle, do you want to move on? Yeah. Or do you have any parting shots? No, I mean, it was a terrible pick. The Packers are done for as we know it. So. <laughs> Disband the team. I mean, they should never be in Green Bay anyway. I can like almost. people. I can. I, I feel like I can almost guarantee you that next year they also <laughs> draft a quarterback in the first two rounds. <laughs> That would be really funny. Because they're going to get this guy, he's going to practice, and they're going to be like, holy shit, what happened? Aaron Rodgers now has one less year on his contract, and he already hates us. We need another quarterback. That's what's going to happen. <laughs> you know, it was funny because that happened with the Cardinals. I mean, very different situation, but they drafted Josh Rosen, and they're like, wow, this kid's ass. And then they drafted Kyler Murray. It worked out pretty well for them. So, you know. Yeah. Sometimes it's just. Maybe that strategy works. I mean, that's just how the draft is. Like, you're not going to get everything right. So. I think yeah. it's smart for the teams to, like, it's the teams who are smart realize their mistakes early on, and they don't just try to, like, forge ahead because they invested a first-round pick on this kid. Yeah, the Bears would never do that, though. Right. We don't have a first-round pick for the next eight years. What are you talking about? <laughs> yeah, but we have Mitch Trubisky, our hero and savior. We declined his fifth-year option. He's gone. <laughs> and he's a backup. <laughs> he probably won't even start in the XFL, do you think? Well, I mean, the league's disbanded, but still. (laughs) Fucking coronavirus took so many great things away from us. And now, I don't even want to confront confront Matt about this. That's the one thing I don't want to go into the office about. I don't want to have to see Matt (laughs) and hear him say something about, you owe me five, ten dollars because the XFL didn't make it. You know what didn't make it? Did you guys guys not have a... Did you not have a pandemic clause in your in your bet? I didn't pay for the pandemic. No, I didn't pay for the, uh, yeah, the insurance. of you. I know. I fucked up. I Big know mistake now. there. <laughs> All right. Um, let's talk about other QB landing spots. Um, so Tua went to Miami. I've heard of him. Burrow to Cincy. Uh, Herbert the Berbert went to the Chargers. You mean Herbert the Pervert? <laughs> Wow. Jalen Hurts went to Philadelphia. Uh, Seth, why don't you start off and tell us why you love Tua and he's going to have the best career. All right, well, I listen to one podcast. So, therefore, I know everything there is to know about Tua. I think I know yeah. how to pronounce his last name. Tunga Vailoa? Yep. That's how, that sounds that's right. how Field Yates says it. I trust him. Um, so, it sounds like the biggest question with him is injury. And... That, you know, I feel like <clears throat> that's just an inherent risk with a lot of guys and some more than others. But setting that aside, um, I did watch some highlights. He does apparently, like all the scouts are saying, that just the way that the ball leaves his hand and like the tightness of the spiral and the uh, um, the arc of the ball and all of that kind of stuff is like top notch for sure. Mm-hmm. Um, plus, he's a lefty, and there's something about lefties Ooh. that really gets me going, both in football and basketball and tennis. Just I thought you're gonna say and in the bedroom. Oh, in the but... bedroom that goes without saying, but <clears throat> it's just like I don't know. It looks different, and maybe because mm-hmm. it's. Um, the minority it just like feels cooler to me but that was exciting um so it seemed like based on my limited knowledge 
this was a draft that had two really top level prospects, at least quarterback prospects with Burrow and Tua. Mm-hmm. So, and I did think it was cool after like at the since the beginning of last year's football season, like the whole thing people were talking about tanking for Tua. And for a while, it seemed like the Dolphins were really tanking. They like traded half their team, and they were really bad for a while. And then towards the tail end of the season, they kind of win some games. They beat the Patriots, um, and then they end up with the fifth pick. And then they get two <laughs> anyways. <laughs> so it's kind of like I know. poetic. I thought that was cool. Yeah, I like that. Kyle, what do you think? Um, I like it. Obviously, you know, we know how good of a prospect Tua is, and all signs are pointing to him being healthy. Um, It's scary because, you know, the Dolphins didn't have a great offensive line last year. Now they did invest some draft capital and some offensive line help, but um, who knows if that's going to be an immediate help or not. Uh, I just saw this earlier today. Where'd it go? that Tua was only hit or sacked on only 77 dropbacks his entire college career. Wow. Ryan Fitzpatrick last season was hit or sacked (laughs) on 132 dropbacks. (laughs) So, you know, that could be worrisome, right, if that offensive line doesn't improve at all. Um, But there's not much to say about him. He's one of the best quarterback prospects we've seen, you know, in, I don't know, last five years or so, five, six. He's. Yeah. I mean, accurate. I feel like he's if he didn't have great any... under pressure, he's, you know, like everything Seth was saying, he throws a pretty ball. It definitely looks nice. Cause he's left-handed too. Mm-hmm. It's not something you see all the time. Um, so it's got, definitely going to be exciting. Uh, I really like what the Dolphins overall did. Like they're they're taking ever since their change in, in coach and GM, they've taken a very um, analytical approach to the whole draft process and kind of everything else. And it's just you know someone like me that's definitely something cool to see. Like kind of following the footsteps of you know they're not there yet, obviously, but. How, how the Baltimore Ravens are running things. That's kind of the vibe I get from this front office in Miami now. Yeah, I feel like if there weren't any injury, injury concerns, Tua would have been number one, like, without a doubt, right? I don't know. Joe Burrow had... Like, the greatest the, season the best, college the best, football quarterback yeah. history. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, but he was... But, it's weird, because I, I think he was, like, mediocre the year before, you know? And then he just comes out of the scene... When it, whereas Tua, like, for the last two years, we know who he is. You know, he's been this incredible. Also, I heard, like, his hip is better than it was before, which, like, I was hearing... I forgot who said this. I think it was Ryan Rosillo, where he's like, you know, I hear, like, every time that I have an injury that it's better than it was before. Like, is there ever a time a surgeon comes out of the room and they're like, you know, I didn't really bring it this time. <laughs> <laughs> That's a good point. Ugh. What about uh, what about Herbert? What you heard about Herbert the Berbert? Mm-hmm. Um, so he is basically Josh Allen two point Isn't he really tall? 
Yeah. Yep, tall, big hands, you know. Exactly what exactly what the old school front offices love about quarterbacks. Mm. He checks all those boxes. Big hands, tall, mm. sees over the line. Who gives a shit? He's not accurate. I read an entire article about how how quarterbacks over six five just don't succeed in the NFL. But I think the conclusion was basically if you're six five and over, you play another sport. And you just never end up being a quarterback. See, and that's kind of what happens. Not if you're John Elway. You scout for six five or over. <laughs> if you don't hit the six five threshold, John Elway is not looking at you. You're done. <laughs> I feel like okay. in the NFL, it's like you're you're under six zero. Ooh, we're worried. You're over six five. You're fucked. <laughs> you got to be within those five inches. Otherwise, you're not an NFL quarterback. Okay, I didn't read this article, but to me, that seems like. What do you think happened to him? Could could it just be like, could it, could it just be there are fewer people who are like six five than there are who are like six feet, and that's why there haven't been as many quarterbacks. I mean, Tom Brady's six four, so I think he's pretty good. Yeah, there's a certain threshold though where there's never been like a good quarterback over, which is kind of weird, I guess. What threshold? I mean, a like lot of six, it is 10? like you say just the. <laughs> like if you're really tall you play basketball or volleyball and also there aren't that that many really tall people right but also when you see really tall quarterbacks they get away with a lot of bullshit when they're younger because they're bigger than everyone so they can just like sling the ball around with no mechanics and they're not really athletic as as often they don't have to learn how to be an athlete as well as maybe the smaller guys was one of the other theses of the of the piece Besides. so they're just kind of like mechanic and not and kind of stiff by the time they get to the nfl I mean, I'm stiff I, right now, but I'm 5'8", so... I just think... I don't think it... I'm just saying, if a quarterback is tall, that doesn't mean they're going to fail. I think height pretty much doesn't matter. I don't give a shit about how tall you are, <laughs> as long as you could run and you're athletic. If you have some, if you have accuracy and you could run, yeah. that's all that you should be looking for in a quarterback. I mean, I guess Joe Burrow's not really... I mean, that's not true. He did run a decent amount last year. And he was, yeah, I feel like he's sneaky. The athlete, he, he is. He's athlete, one of those sneaky athlete. athletes. Yeah, kind of an Aaron Rodgers type. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Kind of like a Jordan Love type. He's so bad, dude. Let me tell you, I watched some Utah State games because they played late. Why? Because they played late. Uh, so it'd be like a Saturday night, and like oh yeah, it's one of those. It's on like ESPN two at yeah. like nine p.m. Yeah, it's like oh wow. <laughs> Utah State's playing Nevada. Let's see what's yeah. happening. Plus, obviously, Jordan Love had some hype going into the season, too. So, yeah. and it was just like, this dude's ass. <laughs> yeah, Herbert, though, he'll be uh, interesting. Um, I think yeah. it's being drafted to the Chargers, though, is probably one of the best outcomes for him. Um, yeah. Just because having Austin Eckler now. He's such a reliable checkdown guy to where if Herbert does get, you know, flushed out of the pocket or something, Eckler is very reliable out of the backfield to be able to take just a little drop, you know, checkdown pass, take it 5, 10 yards like nothing. Plus you got, you know, big receiver in Mike Williams. You got one of the best young tight ends. Like he he landed in a very great spot, especially not having to put up most likely a ton ton of points considering their defense is probably going to be top three in the league based on what yeah. what they've had plus what they invested in the draft 
Do you think um, we should go ahead and trademark Herbert the Berbert before he does? Or What's a Berbert? <laughs> it's a Herbert. He is the Berbert. I'm not about it. <laughs> so you're gonna have, you're gonna let him trademark it first. That's fine. I didn't know what the timing was gonna be like. Uh, let's quickly hit uh, let's hit these these next two positions pretty quickly. Running backs, their landing spots from the draft. Kyle, maybe you can speak to this. Yeah. Uh, Clyde Edwards Hilaire went to the Chiefs. Mm-hmm. DeAndre Swift went to the Lions. <laughs> which why? Who's no? Who knows? Uh, Jonathan Taylor went to the Colts. Uh, who do you think makes the most immediate impact next season, Kyle? Yeah. I think it's hands down should be Clyde Edwards-Hilaire with the most immediate impact. Now, these coaches are saying that both Clyde and Jonathan Taylor, that it's still going to be a committee. But, you know, I don't foresee that really. T- I, I could see that more with Jonathan Taylor. However, uh Andy Reid has never really been the committee type coach in the backfield. Like last year, there was some stuff right with Damian Williams and then trading for uh, what's his name, the old dude. Um, who th- I wanted to say Jamal Charles, no. but that's not right. <laughs> Either way, you know who I'm talking about. Um, yeah. Plus, they had some injury stuff going on. Like that's just not the coach that Andy Reid is, and Andy Reid compared. Clyde Edwards Hilaire to um, Brian Westbrook, the, right? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So the best running back that Andy Reid has coached, pretty yeah. much. He he didn't even say he's as good. He said Clyde Edwards Hilaire is better than. And that's some crazy stuff to say when you think about what Brian Westbrook did under Andy Reid. Plus right. knowing just the system, like Mahomes isn't afraid to flush out of the pocket and just check it down. And Hilaire is one of the shiftiest backs in, in when he has space. Like watching him last year with Joe Burrow, it was crazy. And it's not like just checkdowns. He's a very comfortable playing, you know, lining up as a receiver and going ten plus yards downfield. And that's not something that you see with running backs very often. So they're gonna utilize him a lot, I'd imagine. Jonathan Taylor's scary because of how good the Colts offensive offensive line is. Like landing there and being I mean, Taylor was probably the best pure running back in mm-hmm. in college last year. He, honestly, he was probably, over the course of his career at Wisconsin, he was probably a top three running back every year. Like, he's that good. He's yeah. crazy. And um, they started utilizing him a lot more in the passing game Wisconsin did this past year. So, it's not like... Jonathan Taylor's a one-trick pony by any by any means, but mm-hmm. just the backfield that the Colts have currently, you know, it, it's Taylor's probably going to be more the between the tackles guy, and I could imagine them shifting Marlon Mack to that Naheem Hines role, and Hines kind of falling off. So that's yeah. kind of what I envision. Who knows if it'll happen? But I don't know what the fuck the Lions were doing when they drafted DeAndre Swift. I mean. Yeah. Yeah, that seemed weird. Carryon had an injury, right? And I mean that happens, and it's unfortunate. I like Carryon Johnson. DeAndre Swift is definitely a better running back than him. However, being in Detroit, <laughs> there's nothing really to expect because you know they're going to use 
at least two running backs, most likely three. Oh, you yeah. know, it's just it's just a shitty spot for him to land when he if he landed say the Chiefs picked him, he would have put up mm. insane numbers too. It's just like Sheesh. the system has a lot to do with running backs, as you all know, so Definitely. I'm just excited for Clyde Edwards Hilaire. We haven't had a, a running back with a hyphen since what, Maurice Jones Drew? I mean <laughs> Yeah, the the law firm law firm. <laughs> That's my most important take as well. Good. All right, then we can move on to wide receivers. Uh, so we had a lot. Obviously, as we know, it was a deep wide receiver draft, which is why the Packers didn't take one. And uh, surprisingly enough, Henry Ruggs went to Oakland first out of any of the wide receivers. C.D. Lamb notably went to the Cowboys, who some thought was the best wide receiver in the in the class. And Cowboys didn't even necessarily target wide receiver. He just fell to them. Uh, Jerry Judy went to the Broncos. Jalen Rager went to the Eagles. Uh, Jefferson from the from LSU went to the Vikings. Oh boy. Sadly, you excited for Jefferson? I very much am. Um, I feel like he could fit in well there. Yeah, obviously we needed a wide receiver after having to trade Diggs, um, which I think given the circumstances, it's we got a lot back for Diggs considering yeah. clearly there was a rift with the team and Diggs wasn't happy. And I, he was one of my favorite players and obviously gave us the Minneapolis Miracle, one of the highlights of my football watching career. It's crazy still. Um, yeah. And so yeah. it was sad to see him leave, and I wish it could have worked out. But accepting that that had to that had to happen, you know, we got some good assets back, and then we're able to get um, what I understand to be a very good wide receiver prospect to kind of fill those shoes. As you alluded to earlier, hopefully he won't be a another Laquan Treadwell. But um, but yeah, at this point I'm optimistic, and I really think the Vikings overall did a really good job in the draft. Filled some holes that were necessary. Got a cornerback, which was one of the spots we really needed. And um, you know, my dad's a Vikings fan as well, and he saw these different things and articles and like different forms of measurement one was like a matrix that put together like all these different websites different journalists grades for all the teams drafts and oh like the that, gpa uh basically Sorry, finish, yeah, yeah basically yeah um and yeah the vikings really number one if you added all of them up so that's encouraging to me um mm-hmm as I've said, I don't watch college football, so I don't actually know anything about Justin Jefferson, but people tell me he's good, so that makes me happy. Yeah, Justin Jefferson's a stud. I mean, obviously, it helps that you played with Joe Burrow yeah. in, uh, under the best <laughs> quarterback performance almost ever You know, for that season, but still, even without, without Burrow, Jefferson is... Just like a, he, he's a stud wide receiver. Like I said, this whole class was so stacked that like even second and even some third round wide receiver picks were such good values, and it's just crazy. Mm-hmm. Like Jefferson, the one of the websites that I go to um, a lot for like prospects and stuff, uh, they're saying based on his advanced 
you know, measurements and um, his college performance and kind of just weighs everything. His best comparable player is Reggie Wayne. So I'm all right with that. You know, take that for what it's worth. You know, if yeah, <laughs> if Minnesota landed a Reggie Wayne esque player at the 22nd pick, like that's a home run for sure. Kyle, if you had to pick one wide receiver that you're the most excited to see in the NFL, which one would you pick? Um, you know, I feel like the obvious answer is CeeDee Lamb. You're a big but, Rager guy, though, right? Yeah, exactly, yeah. I got to go Jalen Rager. He is, like, he would, I, in my opinion, if he was playing at Alabama or if he was playing with Joe Burrow, he would have put up a season that would have convinced the majority that he should have been the first wide receiver drafted. Like, he's that good. However, his quarterback play has been terrible his college career, and he still put up some crazy numbers. But his last season, it was just horrific. He saw the least amount of accurate targets of any receiver in college football last year. Jesus, who was his quarterback? Jordan Love? Uh, no, Josh. <laughs> I don't know. I don't remember the guy's name. He went to... Oh, fuck, what was his name? Duggan? Dugan? He went to Dugan University? No, no. Max. Max <laughs> Dugan. That was his quarterback. Well, with a name like that, you're not going to be accurate. That's just... I can tell you that right now. Yeah, I'll show you his picture. <laughs> <laughs> that definitely makes a difference. Oh, there it is. This is the man. Can you see? Can we see it? I can't. Wow, he looks like his. He looks like he has no soul. Like there's nothing behind his eyes. <laughs> That's kind of true. His eyes look pretty blank in that photo. Yeah, no, he sucks. <laughs> so, yeah, I think Jalen Rager's gonna put up some some high end wide receiver numbers. I don't know if it's gonna be immediate. You know, because of whatever mm-hmm. happens with Alshon Jeffrey, if he's gonna be yeah. healthy which I, I honestly don't know a whole lot of. I don't know if he's if there's talks of him Alshon just or not. limps but... everywhere he walks. He's, ne- he's never healthy. <laughs> right, exactly. So, But I'm very excited. That was my, my favorite. Um, there was talks that he wasn't going to go in the first round, and then the mm-hmm. Eagles loved him so much that they, they took him, you know, with, what, the 20th pick or whatever. So yeah, um, I'm, very look- I'm really looking forward to that. I'm looking forward to seeing C.D. Lamb in kind of like the the Randall Cobb role. He's going to go Cowboys crazy in the slot. Year, like, he, yeah, like the third wide receiver for them. And I, I think that he's going to benefit a lot of being in a good offense. So I think, you know, he's not going to see the best guy on the other team, right? So no, not at all. He should. I think he's going to put up some production the first year. Yeah, I think C.D. Lamb's um, definitely going to do that. Do you have any other quick hitters you want to touch on about the draft, Kyle? Ryan Edwards is going to end up being the alpha in Las Vegas over the 11th pick of Henry Ruggs. Henry Ruggs is fast. You know, he's athletic, obviously, but Brian Edwards is just like a, a different level. Like, Brian Edwards played on the same team as Devo Samuel in college for two years and essentially outproduced him categorically. Like, that's how good he is. He dominated he he's called breakout age he broke out younger than 18 he broke out his freshman year which is like unheard of 
And he's just such a good player. He had some injury stuff, which I think is really the main reason that he fell, but supposedly mm-hmm. he's completely healthy, and that's going to end up, in my opinion, being the absolute steal of the draft. It's good they stole him there because they drafted Ruggs too early, in my estimation. Yeah, yeah. But <laughs> all right, let's uh let's hit on some other NFL offseason things that are not the draft. Most notably, this kind of quarterback musical chairs we've got going on that's still going on, where there just aren't enough starting quarterback spots for veterans that want jobs. Uh, we had three notable players on the on the carousel: um, Jameis Winston who ended up signing with the Saints as a backup to Drew Brees, uh, Andy Dalton, who ended up signing in Dallas as a backup to Dak Prescott, and then Cam Newton, who as of today, which is Cinco de Mayo, as you may know, uh, is not landed on a team. So, Jameis goes to the Saints. Let's hit on that first because I think we <laughs> there's a large rift between <laughs> us on Jameis Winston. Uh, I just don't think he's that good. I mean, he threw three, 33 interceptions and fumbled 12 times and also led the league and dropped interceptions. But uh, apart from this that... This man couldn't read a license plate in front of him. In the now car in front of him, he couldn't read off- a license plate. Yeah, he did get LASIK in the offseason. It sounds like he had night blindness similar to myself <laughs> where I can't see anything at night. Or during the day. <laughs> Unless there's a light on. And uh, <laughs> So maybe that'll turn it around. I don't know. He's going... He's going the Teddy Teddy Bridgewater, the Teddy Two Gloves route of of revamping his career in the Saints, and you know and he did find a starting Teddy, job. Yeah. yeah, like Teddy did. So, um, do you guys do you guys think Cam is just going to take a backup job? No, I think Cam has actually said he is not signing with the team unless he's going to be starting. So he's not signing with the team then, right? I mean, there's no teams left. It depends on what Belichick wants to do, but yeah. They sound pretty committed to the next team. So. <laughs> it's unfortunate too. Yeah, they seem to be really talking up Jared Stidham in a way they never did with like Ryan Mallet and all those other fuckers. Like, like Jacoby Brissett, all them. They never talked them up. Well, uh, yeah, they were never they, gonna be starting. They talked up That's Jimmy true. G. Maybe they're just talking themselves into yeah, it. Jimmy Garoppolo, but you know, this whole quarterback situation that has played out in this free agency market with these the veteran quarterbacks really makes you realize or it should as a Bears fan how absolutely horrendous our front <laughs> office is. Like we decided to trade up what one spot for Mitch Trubisky four years ago in a draft that also had Deshaun Watson and Patrick Mahomes. <laughs> And then they decided to trade away six years worth of picks for Khalil Mack, who made an impact for one year, and now just gets double teamed because the rest of the line is ass, and we can't afford to get anyone else. And then decided to trade assets that we didn't have to Jacksonville to get Nick Foles who was a perennial backup, and when he got a starting job, got outplayed by a rookie that was drafted in the sixth round. (laughs) When Jameis Winston could have been had for $1 million, Andy Dalton could have been had for $3 million, Cam Newton, you could 
give him uh, Wendy's five for five, and he probably would have signed. <laughs> so, I think I'm done. You also forgot the fact that we have six tight ends on our <laughs> roster and also drafted one in the draft. <laughs> Don't get me wrong. I'm a big tight end guy. I love him. Huge tight end guy. The toughest position on the football field. But That's too our many. best tight end <laughs> is still sitting third on our death chart. So, I don't know. Yeah, we're also paying Jimmy Graham's corpse like $9 million <laughs> per year to this sit as a cardboard box. This man hasn't performed on a football zone. field in, what, four years? Uh, it just brings me so, so much joy because it distracts me from the daily sadness it is to have Kirk Cousins as my quarterback. (laughs) (laughs) So I feel like with this whole carousel, actually Cam is the most interesting piece to me. Maybe Cam's the best quarterback out of all of those that were available. Yeah, that's, obviously. That's how I, I mean, he didn't have any injury. What have we learned over the last couple of years besides the fact that mobile quarterbacks are the key to winning consistently? As long as they're accurate, they're the key to winning consistently. Right. Like, yes, Cam's been injured here and there, whatever. Everywhere. <laughs> okay, but he's still a better athlete than Andy Dalton, than Nick Foles. He's... He's Mitch Trubisky yeah. on steroids that can throw a ball farther than five yards accurately. <laughs> yeah. Can yeah, I tell I you guys like, it, it, I just, real quickly, like, especially if you're one of those teams in the bottom half of the league, like, why not take a flyer on Cam? At least he'll sell tickets. Right. Maybe you get lucky, he stays healthy most of the year, and he's like 80% of what he was as an MVP. You know, like... To me, it, that's right. what I would do. Take a flyer. Even if I was the Patriots, and it's like, all right, we lost the greatest quarterback ever. Hey, at least come, like, watch. We got Cam now. You know? I don't know. I would rather have Cam than yeah. Kirk Cousins, but that's obviously not going to happen. Mitch Trubisky. So someone charted every starting quarterback's, uh, it's called CPOE, completion percentage over expectation. Based right. on depth of target, Mitch Trubisky only had a positive completion percentage over expectations on passes behind the line of scrimmage. <laughs> <laughs> That's the only only spot on the field where he was expected to have a better completion percentage than average or expectation. You know, it begs the question. With Jordan Love coming into the division, is Mitch Trubisky now the ninth worst quarterback in the division? <laughs> oh, that's tough. <laughs> that is tough. <laughs> so, who's the Vikings' backup? Is he better? Is it Sean Mannion still? As far as I know, I I don't know. He hasn't. Sean Marion is your backup quarterback. Mannion. Yeah, Sean Marion. <laughs> um, I mean. He's certainly he's certainly not the best um, quarterback on the Bears. And then you've got Aaron Rodgers and Jordan Love, Matt Stafford, Kirk Cousins. Yeah, Sean Mannion's still our backup. Is 
Is Kirk Cousins the best quarterback in the division? No, Aaron Rodgers is. I think it's either, at this point in their careers, I think it's either Kirk Cousins or Matthew Stafford. No. I don't think Rodgers has it anymore. Stop it. You stop it. That's a classic Kyle take that's an overreaction. He doesn't have it anymore. (laughs) Kirk Cousins never had it. Here's the thing. (laughs) Rodgers doesn't have it mainly because he only has one wide receiver that can catch a ball. And if that wide receiver has anyone more than one man on him, he throws the ball out of bounds. <laughs> well, it's not Rodgers' fault that he doesn't have as many weapons as other players. I would much rather have Aaron Rodgers on my team than, than Kirk Cousins. I think he would ruin <clears throat> I mean, the integrity of the team. That's true. Personality-wise, it could be difficult, but... Uh, all right, let's move on to the NBA, shall we? I think we've exhausted our NFL talk for today. Uh, just quickly, wanted to talk about what you guys think about how they could bring the season back, what the different options are, if they even should bring the season back. <clears throat> There's been a lot of talk of either the regular season is over, maybe they try to play a few games to get warmed up for the playoffs if they bring it back, Maybe they try to get to 70 games because that's when uh, local TV revenue comes to the team. Yeah, they're going to do that. Um, at this point, fans and arenas are out, basically. Yeah, it's fine. Um, the most feasible solution seems to be gathering the teams in a quarantined area such as Las Vegas or Disney World in Orlando. Las Vegas already has a lot of courts for Summer League, and they can stay in hotels there, obviously, and quarantine themselves there. Will it... And also, in Disney World, they do have a few courts there as well, and um, obviously owned by Disney, So, and Disney owns ESPN, so there's a lot of, you know, back and forth there, I'm sure, and um, Disney World's already kind of in a bubble over there. Uh, there's been talk of 8 to 12 teams in the playoffs only, there's been talk of 3 to 5 game rounds, maybe even 1 game rounds has been thrown out, which I don't <laughs> think is going to happen, because then the fucking that. Rockets wouldn't win, and Kyle would be happy, we can't have that. And <laughs> I, did, I guess the real question is, all that seems feasible, but there's going to be a lot of tests needed. Like, you probably have to test the players every day, or everyone involved, like, every day. And there's just not a lot of tests available for the common person. So is that really fair right now? And if things don't get better, should we really be allocating medical resources like trainers and doctors, you know, to the quarantined NBA arenas when they could be fighting the case elsewhere? What do you guys what do you guys think about the the options and if they should bring the NBA back and how they should do it? Well, for me it's it's hard to say if they should bring it back. Obviously, I would love it and it would make my life exponentially better. Um I I some of the ideas seem like they could be safe to me. Um obviously, lots of things could change with the uh, progression of the virus and everything in the next couple months um i just keep coming back to okay what happens if someone tests positive during the playoffs you know is that whole team done just the playoffs just shut down entirely you know is that fair to that team you know if if the bucks have one player who, you know, test positive and then they're disqualified. Is that fair to them right. that 
everyone else gets a chance at the championship and they didn't because you know one player had there's no way they can do it that way right, right? I mean... so then is it okay we just stop then the whole playoffs is over i don't know i guess that would be kind of my question or do they just like that player is quarantined and they keep going um i don't know it probably depend on the player right i mean if it's Giannis, <laughs> yeah. you're not gonna keep going yeah so <laughs> We'll see that my happens. thought, yeah, my thought on that is, I think now, after doing this for a couple months, we, at least I hope, I know personally I do, but as a society, understand the precautions that need to be, you know, in place and need to be taken, and I think that was the whole thing. Obviously, at the beginning of this was, we had no precautions in place. No one was caring about this at all, and like. Fuck Rudy Gobert, I'll say it to the day I die, joking about it, <laughs> and karma comes, bites him in the ass, and he starts this whole, you know, I'm not going to say he gave everyone the NBA, but most of these players that came out and said that they tested positive, you could trace them back within a week to Rudy Gobert. Again, fuck Rudy Gobert, that's besides the point. I think we, you know, I think teams are smart enough to know the precautions to take if they do this in, you know, just a couple cities in one state, like Florida or so, mm-hmm. that that we could get away with as long as there's no fans and we limit the people in the arena to, you know, you don't need, like, security guards and shit in an arena if there's no fans. That gets rid of right. pff, hundreds of people right there. You don't, you know, it gets rid of a lot of people. You just need coaches. You need players. That comes out to what may be... 35, 35, 40 people per team. Yeah, I think you can get away with, like, maybe even, like, 40 people for everyone. Maybe 40 yeah. or 50 people in the you room You probably could. You probably could. Yeah, exactly. So, uh, obviously, it's a worry, you know, what happens if someone were to test positive when things come back around. But I think the NBA is in a good spot to be able to analyze what other sports are doing that are coming back slowly but surely like the korean baseball league kicked off last night and let me tell you it was riveting to watch a home run live it was it was riveting i watched um but like i know you did they don't i, I knew you would. they didn't have fans or anything and you know just to be able to take in and luckily they have a commissioner that's like ahead of the ship and you got owners like Mark Cuban specifically who are very smart about stuff like this and yeah so I think that just like the the infrastructure of the NBA as it is now is just too smart of an organization to put themselves in a position if they do come back this season that would destroy destroy the rest of the season yeah, I feel like I trust the NBA brain trust and those in power more than I do of like the NFL oh, to make sure. a smart decision. Yeah, exactly. And um, as far as the Gobert thing, I feel like also we don't even Gobert could have gotten it from Donovan Mitchell. Donovan Mitchell also tested positive. We don't know that Gobert gave it to Mitchell or vice versa. But it's lucky that they caught Gobert when they did because that shut down all sports in the U.S. basically which probably wouldn't have happened for another week or so. So it's a good thing that that happened, you know? Like, if a player had in the NBA hadn't tested positive coronavirus, I think 
we've been playing sports throughout that week and into the next. Which maybe would have so been worse. So it's a good thing that it happened. Yeah. yeah. So, yeah, I don't know. If there's a way to do it, obviously, I personally hope they do. They're definitely going to play so at I least 70 games NBA each. Again. I, I could guarantee um, you that. If they come Kyle back and playing 70 games. If they come back. Yeah, if they yeah, come back, they're going to hit yeah, that 70 game happen. threshold. There's no way that they come back and say, yeah, we'll take a game or two to warm up, you know. No, they're going to get that TV revenue. It's a business. I heard, though, that national games don't count. So, like, if it's only nationally broadcast, you don't get the revenues. You'd have to, like, play more than 70 for some teams. Well, that's if it's only nationally broadcast, right? Right. So, what right. if it's... I would assume that means if it's on your local network. I think that's only ABC, because ABC is cable. So, I think if it's on ABC, it's not on anything else. I don't know. They'll figure it out. Yeah. I mean, I think, like... Everyone has such a financial interest in bringing it back from the players to the owners to everyone involved in the NBA that I feel like it's just going to happen in one way or another. Um, yeah, and all these... But hopefully, you, you know, from, we're at a spot where it's feasible to do that and make sense, too. Right. In a safe way. And you hear from all these players, they're like, yeah, any talks of us not coming back is bullshit. We want to come back. Like, this is our of career. <laughs> you know, we don't want to just right. say, yeah, ah, screw it, we'll take the rest of the season off. No, I mean... You got LeBron going for another ring, and he's looked as best as he has in the last how many years? Like, I think it yeah, comes and back. It's like, and it's like, of course, they don't want to be away from their families for weeks on end, but like, their families would also rather than make money for them. So, you know, <laughs> that's a consideration. Mm-hmm. Right. I would assume, especially for players that aren't making the millions. You know, especially for the players that are lower lower salary players. Yeah. Which they're depending. I on. mean, I would assume that they would bring their families <laughs> with them. Considering Depends I don't know, yeah, I was wondering that. I, it might, they might not get to, I don't yeah. know. I mean, considering they're already living with their families. Yeah, maybe it's like whatever you're living yeah, with. What's, you what's the league to say, well, well, you've lived with them for the last three months, you can't live with them now. But the people you live with may not have interacted with that many people like they would be with the players and, and the coaches that they see on the trip, you know? And what but, if, like, your wife or your kid goes to the grocery store gets it, comes back, and then infects you, you know, while you're in Vegas or whatever. I'm, I don't think they're going to the grocery store. I think they make enough to where they'll have this shit delivered. I mean, I don't know. I feel like there's a possibility that someone won't be extraordinarily careful and could get it somehow, you know, going for a walk, right, walking the dog, yeah, whatever. Always so, a possibility, yeah. Yeah, it's There's just so many things to think the about. Risk, it's, but it's, yeah, maybe they will. Yeah, it's gonna be it's gonna be pretty hard to pull off. Like Seth was saying, there's just a lot of things that can go wrong. But yep, let's hope they find a way. Um, teasing our next episode too, since the NBA regular season is basically over, or won't have enough games to really sway our opinions. Next podcast, we're gonna give out our end of season NBA awards, including MVP. Um, what are the other ones? Defensive player of the year, six man, coach of the year, etc. So be looking forward to that on the next pod. Um, you guys are you guys caught up in the Jordan documentary? I am, of course. Same. Boy, that Michael, huh? <laughs> it's a hobby. <laughs> I feel like I've definitely like. I guess I knew most of the stuff already, at least basketball and highlights-wise and historical stuff, but yeah. see, seeing the inner looks at the people and how they, they were just naturally is interesting. And I don't know. I feel like like Jordan's an asshole, and I always knew that. But like 
I've kind of gained respect for him watching the documentary just because he, I feel like he's a very real person. Like, he knows who he is, you know? Like, seeing all the interviews with him even at this age, he's just like, yeah, I'm still mad at Isaiah. He's an asshole. <laughs> like, yeah, I was mean to my teammates, but they were needed to step it up, you know? It's just like, yeah. that's just who he is. And, like, I don't agree with all of his tactics, but he's not, like, a fake person, you know what I'm saying? That's true. I think it has kind of this documentary, though, uh, I don't know, is personified the right word? Like, it's made him seem a lot more relatable, I feel like. Humanize him? Humanize, there you go, yeah. yeah. Like, then, yeah. originally, at least myself, I pictured him. Like, I just mm-hmm. figured, you know, click, we didn't watch him growing up, right? I saw him on the Wizards, that was right. it. But, like, my vision of Jordan was he was just always by himself. He was the fuck you guy. I don't want anything to do, but it was like... I, I, he wasn't like that at all. He... <laughs> yeah, and it's like, I, I mean, listen, I don't, I don't feel bad for him for how he had to live his life because obviously he made, you know, he's worth a billion dollars or whatever, and he, he made a lot of money doing what he loves. But that's tough, man, to, to just go from the hotel to, to the practice facility or to the game or whatever, be mobbed everywhere you go. You can't go anywhere, right? He's there's that scene where he's just laying down on the couch, like. Yeah, that's what I do all day. I sit in the hotel and watch TV. What else would I do? Like, he can't. He can't go anywhere. He can't just go out and go get honestly go to dinner or go to a club because yeah, he, everyone mobs him. He wasn't even like the way he comes off. Like he wasn't interested in that. He didn't care if right. it wasn't basketball. Right. He didn't want to be around it. Yeah, I think. I mean, I don't think we're getting into this whole discussion, but I was thinking about this, and it always comes back down to how do we value him as a player and like. A lot of people are talking about, okay, now after seeing this documentary, like, this is why MJ was the best. And I feel like you have to look at it holistically, where even though being in that position is really tough, some people are just able to handle that better than others. And MJ was sure. someone who, in order to handle that, needed to take a year and a half break to go play baseball to get away from everything. Right. And right. whether you like it or not, for me, that's baked into his value as a player. And the fact that mm-hmm. he needs to take a year and a half break, if I'm thinking about I'm just drafting somebody to be like my franchise player, like that's going to be factored in. Whereas someone like LeBron, who arguably has had even more media attention from an even younger age his whole life, didn't need to do that. So mm-hmm. I agree with you that it's like, yeah, that would suck as a human being. But to me, I feel like people give him a pass for that because it's like understandable, which it is. But some people did it better. It's interesting. Yeah, I don't know still how I feel about that whole baseball break. You know, did it have to do with gambling? Did hmm. it not? Conspiracy There's Kyle. always going to yeah. be people that say yes. There's always going to be people that say no, I mean, the way he makes it seem, it's like, this dude was the cream of the crop, the number one, the best player in the NBA for, since he entered the league, what was it, not eight, nine years, just come off three championships, and you're just like, man, I could, I could see it, like, being like, man, I've done it all, like, mm-hmm. no one's touching me, I don't have anything to worry yeah. about, let me go try to be 
the best player in another sport. Like we don't hold mm-hmm. it against, um, you know, obviously it's Bo Jackson and he performed at a very high level in two sports. We don't hold it against him. Uh, you know, I guess he mm-hmm. didn't walk away mm-hmm. for multiple seasons, but like, yeah, he like played both at the same time. But I, I feel like that's kind of what Jordan's mindset was, was, Hey, I'm the best at this. I can go away for even a year or two or however long it takes. I'll try to be the best in another sport that I was very good at growing up. And then if that doesn't work out, I'll just come back and dominate. And that's exactly what happened. So it's like, it's hard to, you know. I think the gambling part is interesting because, like, the way he talks about it, it's like he's obviously addicted to gambling. He's like, I'm not addicted to gambling. I'm addicted to competing. And I I didn't lose enough money to, like, lose my house or my wife, so I'm fine. It's like, (laughs) but, like, there was a theory someone said today on a podcast I was listening to. I think it was I think it was Bill. Or I can't remember who, but they were like saying that maybe it was a factor in that Stern was gonna suspend him the next season, at least mm-hmm. for part you know part of the season for gambling. And he was yeah, like, that, that was maybe a factor in his decision. Like, well, if I'm gonna miss part of the season anyway, fuck it, I'm just gonna go play baseball. I could see that being a little more viable than Stern secretly. Like the theory is that Stern secretly told him to walk away for a year because he was gambling too much. There is no, no way that wouldn't have gotten out in a bigger way in the last twenty five. I don't years. even think Stern no would want it, that. Right, exactly. That takes the biggest player away from the sport, and like him walking away for a year wasn't going to make him gamble any less. If anything, it was going to make right. him gamble more. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. This guy was going to be at the golf course three times as much throughout the week right. gambling yeah. with even better golf players <laughs> right. and then to say okay now it's halfway through the season you can come back like that just seems so yeah. like random and i just think it doesn't hold too much water i think they were people were overcritical of him with the gambling like there's that whole story mm-hmm. where he goes to atlantic city right and you know we don't know the exact timetable and everything but when you think about it okay he goes to Atlantic City. Say he gets back at three a.m. He said he got back yeah. at midnight. Phil right. Jackson he, said, he he got said back they at got back too. at midnight or one. But even like worst case scenario, they get back at three. He goes to sleep. What? He wakes up at ten, gets seven hours of sleep, goes to practice <laughs> at like noon. They have a shoot around. What? Are, like yeah. they don't play until the night. It's not like he had yeah, like, to be up that at was... six. Like I don't right. even yeah. really see what the big deal is, and I don't either. He's Michael Jordan. His body is like different than every <laughs> other human being in history. Yeah, exactly. So clearly, it's not going to impact him at all. So I, that part I think is like way overblown. I think way overblown. Definitely. I agree. I, I, my mom and dad and I were talking about this at dinner the other day, actually, because I think they're for people who derive their livelihood from like being somebody that has fans right like all athletes wouldn't make money money if nobody watched their games i think when that is how you make your money there's some responsibility to like be a role model and that if you're not because you're cheating on your wife or whatever then people should stop watching you and that is your punishment because that's how you make your money but to me Jordan wasn't doing anything that really like right. decreased his level of or his ability to be a role model. He wasn't breaking any league rules. He was gambling, but like they said in the deck, he was making millions of dollars. Like obviously he'll have a hand that's like ten thousand dollar buy in that's chump change right. for him. 
So I don't know. To me, that wasn't a problem. Yeah. So like to to, like okay, he was this ultra competitive guy who gambled too much. Even if that was the case, like obviously he's not going to be perfect. And we just hold these athletes up as these idols and expect them to be perfect. They're just not. Everyone has faults. Like if you dug into each one of our lives, people would be like, "Well, that putter hand kind of sucks," you know. (laughs) Yeah. Like it's just not going to be perfect. I think. Yeah, I think it was overblown as well. Okay, we we jumped down a rabbit hole there, but I think that was good. Uh, let's end this pod because no one can listen to us talk for more than an hour as it is, not even our significant others or family. So, uh, any parting, parting words, anyone? <laughs> On the third day, he rose again. You already know. <laughs>